wait, all there are five people here today. Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, Hannah Hart, ask me how I'm feeling. Hey, Gelby, how you feeling? Earthy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gelby. Ask, hey, hey, Hannah. Ask am me. I, um, am I not funny, actually? And I just think I am. No, you're very funny. Ask me what kind of flavor notes I think I hit as a hot tea. Hey, buddy, what what flavor notes have you hit as a hot tea? The earthy one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, very good. Okay, good. Well, so that's Hannah Gelb and I'm Hannah Hart. And today we are joined by a, quite the assortment of people. For our listeners, Travis, Jessica, Rachel, will you each introduce yourselves and what you do at Terracultura? <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I'm Travis. Um, I am pretty much in charge of the finance stuff, the money stuff, and also just kind of general uh, on-site operations, just keeping things running on the farm, I guess. Hello, I'm Jessica. Um, I'm technically the director of operations at Terracultura. I guess we're all co-executive directors, um, but I'm co-executive director operations. Um, We all do a lot of it, but I guess I'm kind of overseeing the farm and programming. I don't know. We all do it all. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and I'm Rachel, and yes, we do all wear Mm -hmm. a lot of hats, Mm -hmm. but I am technically the director of education and culture. So I am the keeper of the big vision, um, the kind of artistic programming and the educational curriculum, fun things like that. Cool. Wow. Okay. I feel like I should say a little bit, we, we, sh- we have to talk a little bit about how we all know each other, right? Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, I do dang, that. like me and me and these guys go back, but Hannah Hart, you go back. With Travis to like infancy. Dawn time. <laughs> yeah. Travis and I have known each other since we were uh, like four or five years old. Very yeah. adorable kids. It's kind of crazy because just listening to the three of you describe yourselves uh, and just even just talk about what you guys have built, which we'll get into, it's surreal because in my head, I can't imagine that real people do things like this. And you guys are such <laughs> real people to me. Yeah. Well, you know? they've all, Jessica and Travis and Rachel have always been very good at doing things <laughs> that a lot of people talk about doing. Like, I, I mean, after college, they were like, we're going to move to New York. And I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, and I believe that was either before or after they were like, we're going to travel the world working on organic farms. And yeah, I like, no, I, sure. think it, I think it went New York, organic farms. Am I, I'm right about that, right? You, you, well, you're both right because it was New York. <laughs> Then organic farms, and then back to New York. To New York, uh, back yeah. to New York. And okay, so I also went to high school with Jessica, yeah. and we auditioned for Oklahoma in the same room at the same time, and we both did not make it in. <laughs> um, but we, we were a great support system for each other. Yeah, we showed up and we tried, and that's all that matters. Um, and then I also, can't believe you guys didn't make it, man. Like they must. Who know? What, what were they? Saying? Well, see, drama in high school is like real, unlike drama in middle school, where you're just like elevated into the musical because you're in choir. And then in high school, they're like, <laughs> "Oh no, you have to actually act <laughs> and no performing a little bit." But yes, and then okay, Jessica's I, like, I, "Um, actually, I I got in. They just scheduling didn't work out, so it yeah. wasn't because of my lack of talent." 
then I got solidly rejected. (laughs) I think they recruited me to be like stage manager or something. So I weaseled my way in somehow. They saw you at and you yes, and you gained much valuable experience. Also, then magically, Jessica and Travis lived in my dorm in college, and we were the most special dorm. In the history of UC Santa Cruz, I can't even think about that time in our lives because it makes me too sad because it was so fun and precious and beautiful. Anyways. That's really true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's crazy because, Hannah Gelb, you went to high school with Jessica, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and Con- Jessica and Travis are married. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got to do I got Okay. I got to tell the whole story once. Oh, the okay. family sorry, tree, sorry, sorry. Right? I got yeah. so excited. I got- <laughs> I got to do the family tree. I got to do the family tree. I feel like we're all warmed up and loosey-goosey now, which is good. Okay. So what is so fascinating about the people we have here today is that it was actually a series of coincidences and happenstancery that led us all to knowing each other. Travis, the boy here today, (laughs) uh, and I actually have known each other since I was four or five years old. We, We went to kindergarten through K through 12 together. Yep. And then Hannah Gelb over here, she went to high school with Jessica. Yeah. Okay. And then Hannah Gelb and I met in Japan, mm-hmm. Ohio. Konnichiwa, everybody. <laughs> and then when Hannah Gelb got back from Japan, she was up in her roommate's part of the house or the roommate's room. Were you guys both sharing the attic? We yeah. we did share the attic. Isn't that such a college sentence? Were you both there sharing the attic? Oh, we were paying a pretty penny to share that attic with a plexiglass window with a hole in it. <laughs> oh, that was a beautiful attic. Great access. Was it, was it even legal for you guys to be sleeping there? Oh, who no. cares? It was so great. <laughs> I'm sure not at all. You never ask questions like that. Yeah. <laughs> what moment was it where one of you was somewhere and you saw a picture on the wall and that's how all the connections got formed? Yeah, that was me. Oh. So I was up in the attic with Jessica and we were looking at at Gelby's wall and <laughs> I saw a picture of the two of you in Japan. And I was like, wait a minute. How do you know Hannah Hart? That is crazy. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know Hannah Hart because I hadn't met you yet. (laughs) No. (laughs) And it's so funny. I feel like I've known Travis my whole life, even though that's not the case. I mean, there must have been a time we first met, but I just feel like (laughs) you automatically are in with Jessica, like in that I've just known category. Yeah. It's because of our symbiosis, Hannah Gelb. It's because of the <laughs> the the host parasite relationship that we have. Oh, yay! I know it's very romantic. <laughs> it it's is like the movie Venom. Because <laughs> that's how Hannah asks for chocolate. Which is eat. which? Oh, I'm definitely the dirty, tired person. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, yes, well, we wanted to have Tara Coulter on for Earth Day, which hopefully we're all alive when this episode airs. Right now, it's I just hope so. like, oh, viruses. Uh. <laughs> so we invited everyone to get together because we wanted to talk here on Earth Day about what you guys are doing, putting your money where your mouth is. Well, lots of people's money where your mouth is and actually <laughs> working to plan a future for us. What's Terra Cultura all about? Cool. So Terra Cultura. Ouch. A little a little <laughs> earth culture there. Two words. <laughs> We're an educational eco arts farm. What does that so mean? Dope. My brain <laughs> just what got like mean? a tiny erection. So our official 
Our mission is to strengthen community resilience through education and collaboration in agroecology, sustainable living, and the arts. Right? So we're trying to integrate a bunch of things. Um, we do that through facilitating knowledge sharing, um, workshops, education. We go into schools. We try and tie in together the eco and the arts however we can because we think uh, it's really important to kind of create a whole support system, not just ecologically and not just socially, but that those things are really interconnected. So trying to create, yeah, those support systems kind of across all aspects of human and planetary ecosystems. Wow. (laughs) That's beautiful. Now, what do you mean by merging eco and the arts and, and what kind of workshops do you hold? What, what, yeah, if you were explaining it tax. to my three-year-old <laughs> nephew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Explain it to oh, me like eight. I'm five. What he do do? loves trucks, by the way. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any trucks involved in your explanation? That would be great. Just, just uh, I mean, we, we have a truck. <laughs> what a great farm truck. Yeah, so we, have, cool. we call her Babs. <laughs> Babs the farm truck. She's a badass babe. Yep. Love wow. it. You guys are becoming the people that I read about in books to relax. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone's relaxed. I mean, that was really our only goal in all of this. <laughs> okay, maybe what if we do it like this? Why why did you guys begin Terracultura? What it is is tied to why it's important. Ooh, what it is is tied to why it is? I mean, I could be wrong, but I, mean, I, I think, think that's, that's actually pretty accurate, yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. Cool. You're right. Let's- Slam dunk for good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, it's something that we had all been dreaming about for a very long time. And I think you're right that uh, why it is was we were, we were kind of craving this integration that we didn't see happening in society right now, right? Like a space where we could be creative and... Uh, be part of a community and be collaborative and be connected to the earth um, and kind of pulling together all of our favorite things and all the things we felt like were most important in the world and to humans and to society and to the world we live in and the earth and on and on. We started, I don't know, I started when we were young. Rachel and I, you know, really Rachel, would talk about this uh, farmhouse that she dreamed about living in and um, informed me as her three-year-old younger sister that I was going to also be there. We were going to raise our families as a tribe, uh, but I was totally on board, so that was cool. But then later on in college, Travis and I you know, when sit in our friends, the floor of our friend's VW van because it was Santa Cruz and play music. And it was totally the most Santa Cruz scene you could possibly imagine. Yeah, you can fill in the rest of it. Yeah. And we dream about, uh, you know, going to live on farms and working with our bodies and working in the soil during the day and creating art and playing music around campfires at night. And, you know, we, we dreamt about this with Hannah and this beautiful collective of souls we lived with in Santa Cruz and um Hannah we haven't forgotten your Viking table it's coming (laughs) (laughs) Um, Viking table yes uh my greatest okay some people think they might know what my greatest dream is but my greatest dream in this life is to sit around a Viking table with my friends and play music and eat food and that's it 
Anna, you got to come to one of our soup jams. That's, I mean, that's basically what we do. Wait, you guys. I, I did not know you guys had soup jams. Okay, we have, we have soup jams. Okay, I'm well, just, wait, I'm getting in a car table. right now to come up The biking table is a really long, beautiful table that will fit all of your friends and their yeah. food and their instruments. Build yes. a bigger table. Build a bigger table. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll sleep in a big pile. <laughs> Nobody will be pile. lonely again. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and you know what's amazing you guys were talking about these things i think before i feel like every day now we hear about the climate crisis and all of these huge changes that have just happened in the past couple of years but you guys were talking about this before it was just a huge horrible scary disaster and <laughs> taking care of the earth well, it's really cool that all these things that we want to have a beautiful fulfilling life with us and all the people we care about is also maybe like what's needed in the world right now. <laughs> it's like really convenient wow. Um, wow. that while we're trying to build beautiful lives for ourselves and our community, we can also be hopefully addressing these systemic issues, right? And be working towards kind of a more just and equitable society overall. And yeah, dealing with the environmental crisis and how we farm and how we work in food systems in our communities. Like we are talking about these social support systems that we think come from how we're sharing knowledge and education, how we're creating our culture and our art and our music all together. And yeah, we get to address these bigger issues. So it's it's really fulfilling in that way, which is cool. And how crazy it is, is it that these things that feel really like intuitively and instinctively right are also the things that are best for like us and our communities and the world we live in. Wow. So what is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's an educational eco arts farm. We do a bunch of different things around our local and regional community that tie together the ideas of like environmental stewardship and ecology and like taking care of the planet and also arts, because we really mm-hmm. think that, you know, the art of environmental stewardship is just as much of a valid art as, you know, painting or sculpting or music. Mm-hmm. So we really, we experiment with and collaborate to, to kind of blend all of those things together. So, so for example, uh, Jessica and Rachel are both, they're, they're teaching eco arts, uh, in the schools, in the, in the local school district. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yes. We have, it's about 250 kids a week <laughs> that oh we get gosh. to do art with. What do you guys teach them for eco arts? Is it sustainable paints? Is it, what, what does that mean, eco arts? Well, for instance, we were trying to teach them about color theory, but we looked at fall leaves and talked about the science behind. So it's like um, making art, but using kind of like the world around you and nature as a guide, sort of? Yeah. Like and a- also, also using art as a vehicle for teaching some of these ecological concepts. right Mm -hmm. it works in both directions right so like eco literacy but also arts theory yeah at the same time i love that i mean i think that you know to instill kind of more of a unifying relationship between our younger generations and our planet is something that our current generation it's one of the last remaining gifts that we can give them is to just kind of let them know a what's coming and b to have some plan in place about how to educate them. Because right now, not only do we have a lot of people denying the realities of climate change, we have no current plan for 
yes, once these realities are accepted, how on earth are we going to inform and present this information to the coming generations? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're our last hope. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. No, <sighs> seriously. You guys are incredibly involved in your community. You have this wonderful eco arts farm. What other kind of programs do you teach? Do you teach anyone... Like, for instance, I'm someone who knows absolutely nothing about, frankly, gardening. You know, <laughs> I you can also me- put myself in that category. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have any workshops for like an adult like me who doesn't really know what's going on and how plants grow? Yeah, absolutely. So Terraculture is also a place. I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, um, but we're, we're on It's that. a real farm, guys. It's a real <laughs> thing. It's an eco arts farm. Right. We're on uh, five and a half acres in a tiny town called Aromas. And we have, uh, we've offered a few workshops. We're um, the recipients of a grant from the California Department of Food and Agriculture called the Healthy Soils Program, which gives us funding to implement practices that sequester carbon on our land. So we did a workshop on carbon smart farming, which is about building soils, which is kind of the first step to uh, productive, healthy gardening. So we did a workshop on that. We also have frequent volunteer days. We just had a volunteer day where we planted our first starts for spring. That was super exciting Um, and taught folks kind of the basics of how to plant a plant, Um, getting people... Getting people's hands in the soil and getting that really hands-on experience. Um, and we're also doing lots of skill shares. Every month we'll do a skill share on a different topic. So we did one on winterizing. Uh, this one coming up is going to be on uh, tree care, pruning, and how to make your fruit trees thrive and grafting and fun things like that. So um, yeah, there are lots of opportunities on the site for education. And then we have lots of arts programming on site also. Something that you guys really helped me understand just even in casual conversation and one of the reasons why I think Terraculture is such a great place and program is that plants depend on the soil. So the health of the soil is important, question mark. Oh you know, it's gosh, like, so I'm so, it's so important. I'm so guilty. And I don't know, Gelby, if you feel this way too, of being like, in the past, obviously, before having these many conversations with Travis and Jessica, I'd be like, well, you know, if the world ended, I'd just take a tomato from the fridge and put it in the ground and wait for, you know, 100 tomatoes to come out or whatever. Right. No, see, the thing is, everything is connected to everything else. It's like wonderful and horrifying. But yes, it's like, I really it believed all I could be. bank on just be having access to dirt, period. Mm. I really thought that just like any dirt could grow anything I wanted. And actually, well, this is like maybe not the time to mention this, but when when Terracultura first arrived on their actual land, it was like all pretty dirty dirt dirt. Like not the kind that you would think is good for growing things. But then they did amazing things. If you guys don't mind, I'd love to kind of go that direction right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is this place real? This art, <laughs> eco art farm. I mean, Hannah, I, look, guys, I'm not going to lie. I've never been there. So uh, mm. is it real? You really have no excuse, dude. It is. I have been there twice. Oh, and- <laughs> what? <laughs> and it is astounding. I cannot believe how far you guys have come in such a short amount of time. And, and to like kind of make this about me a little bit, as someone who <laughs> has many ideas... But so few of them ever come to see the light of day. How, like when? How did you? Like yeah. when did this? How did you turn it into from a this? dreamy dream into an actual pro, like project? We had a lot of gaps in our knowledge before we started this. You know, not, none of the three of us really came from a strong farming background. We all had various levels of experience uh, working on on other people's farms, but as far as our own our own project, totally not. Uh, within our wheelhouse. <laughs> um, but fortunately, I mean, we had a couple of mentors early on that like gave us a ton of free advice, which was really amazing. They really said like, okay, you want to do this? Well, you got to talk to this person and you got to do this thing. You know, you got to start an organization. You got to like, if you're going to be a nonprofit, you got to file out wow. like, all these forms and all Gosh, this stuff. It's, so. it's almost like you don't have to be an expert or know everything before you start something. I know, right? Yeah, like, I mean, totally, like, I, I know everybody says this these days, but we just Googled stuff, you know, we just Googled <laughs> stuff, we just watched YouTube videos, we bought, you know, forming a nonprofit for dummies, literally, oh my gosh. we just read that thing cover to cover. And yeah, once once we had all those, you know, beginning pieces in place, we we're like, okay, let's find a location. So the three of us took off. We looked at what, like seventy-five properties, or at like in like all over California, um, and we narrowed it down to this one area. So we're in Aromas, California, uh, which I'm sure most of, most of the people listening have never heard of before. But we're we're literally just south of the Bay Area. We're um, we're close to Gilroy and San Juan Batista and Monterey and Santa Cruz. So we're like. We're away from everything, and it feels like we're out in the middle of nowhere, but we're actually right off the 101, and we're super close to everything. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, it's it's a great location. So it sounds like the first stage of this was really kind of taking the idea, taking the dream of, A, is this even possible? And B, if it was possible, structurally, what would it look like? It's almost like you guys wrote the outline, and then once you were like, wait a minute, this outline could work okay, let's put pen to paper. Let's put paper to dirt. Let's get some land and let's see what happens. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, you know, you just put one foot in front of the other. You, you start at the beginning and you just, you learn as you go. And, you know, none of us had any experience looking at property before. And we didn't know writing we had a business plan. writing a business plan or, you know, making an offer on a piece of property. And, you know, once we had the land, we 
stood on it for a long time and just kind of scratched our heads and we're like, now what? (laughs) (laughs) What qualities were you guys looking for when you were looking at properties? Mostly a lot of things that we ended up not being able to afford. (laughs) Well, that's also a beautiful lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Like we thought we wanted a house. That, that would have been nice, but, um, you know, a lot of student debt means it's really hard to get a mortgage. Um, so, right, we don't have a house. It's, it was raw land. We kind of wanted a well, didn't have a well. Um, we have since put in a well, which is very exciting. Oh, yeah. Yes. There's a hot shower. Um, I'm used but to I think for us, since we didn't just want to go, like, isolate and farm, it was really important for us to be accessible. So what Travis was saying about being kind of in a rural area that felt like a a remote retreat that was also in the middle of everything. And we ended up finding this really magical little town that kind of already had a bit of a thriving art scene and is in the middle of a big agricultural center. Uh, So it already had a bit of what we were looking for, but we also felt like we could fill a gap and serve some needs of this community. Uh, in terms of who has access to food and some of the resources. So it ended up just being kind of perfect. And the community really has embraced us. And that's really nice. When you bought this piece of land, did it have running water, electricity? (laughs) Like, yeah, exactly, Gelb. Like, what was there? So this land is on a hillside. And it was previously used for raising horses and rabbits and chickens and things. So there was a rabbit hutch and a chicken coop, large versions of both of those, a city water connection at the street and the electricity at the street. But that was about it. It's a a steep sandy slope, but it has this beautiful forest of pine and eucalyptus and these incredible views out towards Big Sur. And the driveway is lined with lavender and rosemary that our neighbor Mm. planted decades ago. And it's not ideal farmland by any means. It was definitely, we knew we were taking on a challenge, but it was an incredible, beautiful, inspiring little spot and we couldn't resist it. Yeah, I think that the visual beauty of the place, you know, okay, so it, it's sandy soil, so it's not great for farming, but the, the views out toward the ocean, yeah, everything Jess was just talking about, just like having that was much more of an asset to us. We looked at a lot of properties that were just like flat acreage of farm next door to dozens and dozens of other farms, and it was just super boring and uninspiring. And, you know, because so much of our mission is tied in with the culture of it and, you know, the arts aspect of it, we we needed the place to also be beautiful and inspiring and to encourage, you know, the creation and collaboration and the culture that we're we're talking about. What's interesting, it was actually one of the first properties we visited. Yeah. And we stood on that hillside (laughs) and like, I cried. It was so beautiful. (laughs) And we were like, we fell in love with it. But then we looked around and we're like, we can't farm this. (laughs) This is like the worst soil and it's on this really steep hill. What are we thinking? So then we looked for better land for a year and didn't find it. And we kind of went back to square one. We're like, no, this is where we really want to be. Access to farmland is a huge problem, especially for young farmers right now. And there aren't many young farmers, um, Mm. which is concerning given that they produce our food. This, you know, steep sandy soil kind of offered us an opportunity to, if we could figure out how to farm this not ideal farmland, then we could share that information with other young farmers who are in similar situations as, you know, in terms of not being able to afford 
ideal prime farmland. And so. depleted soil is also a huge issue. It's sort of monocropping. What is depleted soil and what, what is monocropping? In our scenario specifically, because this land had been completely overgrazed, erosion had been a huge problem. So any topsoil, that soil that has all the nutrients in it and all the life, all the biodiversity and the, the soil microbes that um, provide the nutrients that the plants require, all of that had been washed away. So we were literally just a sand dune. When we first got there, it felt like being in the desert or on a beach. And monocropping, you asked, was um, basically the way most industrial farms operate in the United States. So it's growing only one crop at a time. So there's no biodiversity whatsoever. Every plant uses different nutrients. So if you're only planting one crop on each piece of land. Like say corn or soybean. Yeah, Yeah. then it's all using the same nutrients. So the soil gets completely depleted of those nutrients. And then (laughs) the response is usually to add chemicals chemical fertilizer to replenish it, which then ends up in our water streams and harming our environments, which goes back to why it's so necessary to have, if you have healthy soil uh, with a lot of biodiversity, lots of microbes and fungi and other good things that um, kind of create these ecosystems that replenish the nutrients in the soil, you don't need to use all those harmful chemicals and you have more resilient plants. How did everybody just make the worst decisions? You know, like everyone's like, let's do the most harmful thing that will just have the worst impact. How about about that? It's I agree. It's funny hearing you talk about this, Jessica, even the way you put it, because, you know, it's as if and this is going to sound crazy, guys, but it's as if the nutrients in the soil that go into the nutrients of the plant that turn into the nutrients of our food has an effect on All of us. Like, are you telling me that the health of the dirt on our planet matters? I mean, you are what you eat, right? So it it absolutely has an effect on on your your personal health. And, and, you know, to take even a more macro step, the the health of our communities and the health of our our world, it it absolutely has an effect. The basis of the whole ecosystem. Like, if you have healthy soils, you can have healthy habitats for all creatures, large and small. And healthy soil is achieved through biodiversity and attention and care. Right. And like not having a knee-jerk reaction to every situation where you could make money. Like, yeah, thinking of things are important besides that. Sorry, I'm just so ragey today. Uh, You you rage, Betty. You rage because it's important. (laughs) Humans are so good at thinking that we can do everything better than nature does it, right? So it's just another example of that. We're just going to be proven wrong time and time again. (laughs) But you guys didn't just stop at reviving this soil, teaching others how to revive soil, how to use their land. You're not just nourishing the bodies, but you're also nourishing our collective community souls by incorporating this arts aspect. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. You nailed it. Do you guys want to reiterate one of your many art highlights for our listeners at home who are like, well, yeah, but do do we ever have like song and dance time? Oh, yeah. Oh, we do. We have lots of this. (laughs) Well, with the basic premise that sort of our, our ecological systems are not actually separate from our social systems, like you just said, we're trying to nurture both and trying to make the argument even that they are one and the same. So uh, keeping our bodies healthy, keeping our souls healthy, like you say. So yeah, we have monthly music jams. 
we call it soup jam. We make a big pot of soup from fresh ingredients from the farm uh, and invite musicians and neighbors and friends to come to come eat some soup and jam with us. Uh, we have a monthly writers group where we get together and kind of exercise our creativity through prompts and writing constraints. We work on mural projects in the community. So we got the whole community together to paint this. It was one of the ugliest bridges in America. <laughs> Lots of graffiti <laughs> over one of the most polluted rivers in America. And there had been a big uh, rehabilitation project for the river. And we wanted to commemorate that kind of an environmental hopefulness. We, yeah, we painted all these fish on this bridge and it's like this ecological mural project had maybe like 80 to 100 volunteers, got the high school kids involved. It was a community public eco arts project. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. We're going to do another one at the local elementary school. Wow. Oh, wow. oh cool. Um, so are the kids going to help out too? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're going to do all of it pretty much. Yeah, they're oh, going to awesome. come up with the idea. We're just facilitators. Yeah. Just the, ah. You're literally talking about bringing the children together to learn about <laughs> how to grow crops and make art. Yeah. I'm just like, I just, I'm That's just. That's so beautiful. I'm just sitting here shaking my head at all the things that modern America has created that was supposed to make our lives better and just quietly destroys us all. It's yeah. just exactly. incredible. Man, you know, that reminds me, speaking of modern conveniences, we'll be right back. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Okay, so when you guys first arrived, you were literally on a sandy hill. Yet, the first time I came to Terra Cultura, it was like being in a a cool Trader Joe's where you get to live. Um, <laughs> and like, there is a shower, there's a toilet, there's a composting toilet, there is these beautiful living spaces, um, yurts that you guys built with your own hands. So... How did you get from this sandy hillside to where you are now? And how did you push yourselves when it was just seemed so difficult and overwhelming? Especially because there's only three of you. And like, I mean, just me doing the dishes is hard. That's too hard for me. Like, I can only do <laughs> half dishes in a setting. And, you know, are you wizards is what I'm asking. <laughs> We are definitely not wizards. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what, if, if the three of us are wizards, then everybody is a wizard. How about that? <gasps> Maybe that should be our sign off from now on. <laughs> Everyone's a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really was just a, like we, we came to the land and we were staying in a tent to start for the first couple of weeks there. And we, See, I'm out, man. I <laughs> like, already have like what with each other. Literally <laughs> earlier today, I turned to Ella, my beloved, and I was like, "So, are you going to be working from home a lot now?" <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it, it really was just a matter of, you know, standing and scratching our heads a whole lot and looking around and saying like, well, there's there's a 300 square foot rabbit hutch right there. You know, it's going to rain next week. Maybe we should work on figuring out how we can live in that rabbit hutch. Um, uh, and what was in what? the rabbit hutch at the time? It, it was not an active rabbit hutch. It, in a previous life, it had been uh, a rabbit hutch. Yes. But there was still, you know, a foot and a half of muck on the bottom and rabbit cages everywhere. And we had to demo it and scrub it out and pressure wash it and put Just on a new it. roof and a new, new roof, floor. Yeah. Reinforce everything. Yeah. And it was kind of still a rabbit hedge. Yeah. We had to learn to roof. Yeah, I mean, seriously, Google. Like, just wow. how do you roof? And we got up there. Probably not the best idea. I don't know. We probably took our lives <laughs> into our own hands more than a few times. But. but yeah, Google and also very knowledgeable friends who are willing to come That too. That There is something to be said for that. We, we have, like, it is sure the three of us are doing you know, the work on the ground day to day, but we have such an amazing community full of people like, you know, the two of you. And we have so many friends that have spent so many hours just volunteering, showing up on weekends and saying, you know, yes, I know how to build a flight of stairs or yes, I can help you roof or yeah, that yurt, we can put that up. And yeah, it's just been really amazing to see see those people kind of come out of the woodwork and, you know, roll up their sleeves with us and say like, yeah, this is awesome. This is fun. Let's do this. We, we could not have done it without all those people. Were there any times or even like moments where you were just like, this is so much yeah, like harder than I thought work. it was going to be? <laughs> yeah. Or like even before you get to the actual like fun part, which is, I imagine, you know, touching all the rabbit poo and dirt and stuff. Um, <laughs> Like when you start these Google searches that you mentioned earlier and you saw how much this was going to cost, how do you not get scared and run away? That's a great question. We um, have spent a lot of time being very scared. <laughs> um, oh, I, I love think that. probably like the first year on the land, like none of us slept at all. We were just like <laughs> awake at night being like, we're crazy. This is insane. <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? Why do we live in a rabbit hut? <laughs> <laughs> But now we're like three years in <clears throat> and we wish we could tell ourselves like it's all going to be okay. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, we do get scared. There's a lot of like blood, sweat and tears in that land. Yeah. But there's also a lot of joy uh, and a lot of beauty. So it's like, it's definitely both. It's definitely the two extremes all the time. Wow. Honestly. It sounds like you're like alive. <laughs> <laughs> like really alive. Like, like you're alive. <laughs> That's just so wonderful. <laughs> Pra practically speaking, I feel like one of the things we don't teach, rather experience in life can teach us, is that when you are confronted with a problem, if the first solution that you find that presents itself, either A, doesn't work, or B, is unachievable, for instance, well, if you had a million dollars, you wouldn't have this problem. It's so hard to look for another solution after that feeling. And I think it takes a real type of bravery and vulnerability and tenacity to keep looking for solutions in the face of other solutions that you can't quite grasp or can't quite get to. You know what I mean? Right. And oh, I think everybody, everybody absolutely has, that is like your birthright as a human, you know, and it's just, that's what our ancestors did for centuries. And it wasn't even a thing, you know, no one was like, oh, I'm just so bad at everything. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, like- I need to make a rope, so I'm gonna figure out how to do it. You know, it doesn't. It's okay to do it badly and slowly the first few times, and like. You know, badly and slowly. That's our sign off. Yes, it's okay <laughs> to do things badly and slowly. Like that is, there is honor in doing it badly and slowly. I'm just like so mad because I didn't get this memo until like literally like one year ago. You know, I just spent like my whole adolescence, college years, and twenties being like, why am I not good at everything? <laughs> and we love you just the way. You are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. Well, in a lot of societal expectations, there's not that room to do things badly and slowly. And we're kind of trying to create this whole culture where we're allowed. We're like allowed to be human. We don't have to be machines all the time. Right. So we can we can mess up. Like you were saying before, I feel like doing things badly and slowly is perhaps the key to our survival and not trying to have all of our whims and wishes granted instantaneously at (laughs) no cost, quote unquote. Right. Like in society today, it's like, oh, you tried that for 30 seconds. Oh, I sucked at that. I guess I will never try again. Um, (laughs) There's no progress there. You know, you have to be bad at something before you can get good at something. You have to suck at roofing before you figure out like, oh, these don't go this way. They go this way. Oh, now we have a roof. Fantastic. Oh, oh my God. You know what? <laughs> you have to suck at roofing before you can realize you're just kind of shitty at roofing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at once awe-inspired and terrified of this life of whimsy and work that you appear to be living. Like, I don't know. Gelp, is it like this for you? Sometimes when Travis and Jessica are talking, I'm like, oh my God, that sounds awful. And then sometimes I'm like, wow, what a dream. I guess it just sounds, it's so, it's just very inspiring and it makes me feel hope. And let me tell you, today was not a hopeful day. (laughs) But I feel more hopeful now. Wow. Travis, for our earbuds that might be listening, or rather, Tara Cultura fam, for our (laughs) earbuds that are listening, if they're also feeling hopeful, God, it's such a strange and unfamiliar word in my mouth. Um, (laughs) If they're also feeling hopeful, what are some ways they can learn more about Tara Cultura or or help you guys out? What can they do? Yeah, I mean, we we love hopeful people. (laughs) (laughs) and we can use all the help we can get. I think the main point of contact would be our website. There's a lot of really great information and a lot of really great ways to plug in uh, with what we're doing both on site and sort of the larger picture uh, on our website. So that's terracultura.org. Just off the top of my head, like this spring, um, we're about to be launching two residency programs. So we're going to be having... One of our yurts will be dedicated to uh, volunteers that want to come uh, either learn how to farm or be a part of our artist residency program. Basically, this is like a two to four week program where you come and you stay on the farm. And basically, we're going to teach you everything we've learned in the last three years. And yeah, for the artist residency, you can come and use the space and be inspired by by what's going on on the farm and in exchange, you know, maybe teach a class or create some piece of art or something uh, that can live on the land that we can remember you by. Oh, I'm so applying. (laughs) (laughs) You should, totally. I don't know, man. I don't know. Do you think she can get in? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, Hannah Gelb, you you are responsible for some of the the illustrations on our website. If people are poking around terracultura.org and they see 
an illustration instead of a photo, that's Gelb. They're so beautiful. <gasps> oh, and every oh. donor who donates gets a thank you card painted by Hannah Gelb. Also, oh, really that's right. I forgot too. about that. Also, gosh, I have so many ideas and paintings I want to make for you guys. Yeah. God. How do you spell terracultura.org? Sure, that's T-E-R-R-A-C-U-L-T-U-R-A.org. And if people want to apply to come hang out with you guys, what should they be looking for? Is this under community events? Where do they go next? Yeah, there's so there's a there's basically a get involved tab on the website and we'll be accepting applications for the programs that I was just talking about. But even for people that like you're like, oh, well, I can't really just give up my life for two to four weeks and just drop everything and go hang out. We also, like like Rachel was talking about earlier, we host a lot of these community events uh, pretty much weekly. Uh, we have volunteer days and we give farm tours. So there are day trip ways to get involved too. And those are also on the website um, under the events tab. Um, I like that. That's for, for people who are more of the casual activists. Yeah, uh, just dipping your toes <laughs> into environmental stewardship. <laughs> exactly. Just dip your toes in. Just go, go hang right. out for the day. And I mean, I know we have a lot of Bay Area earbuds. I mean, if you guys, you can like just visit Right? I mean, you guys are there at the farm. Like, if you're like, you know what? It's Saturday. I'm just going to go drive over to Terracultura. Like, check it out. We're like an hour away from San Francisco. We are not far from the Bay Area. And for those of our earbuds who might be even living in Gilroy, they could literally just go kick it. Yeah. Yeah, come kick it. (laughs) We have a guest yurt available as well. For oh, guest yurt. I'm sorry. I'm so I'm so ignorant. I know we're winding down here and I know people are probably already online at terracultura.org checking out the guest <laughs> yurt. But for me, what is a yurt? What is a yurt? <laughs> what so, isn't a yurt? <laughs> they're originally from Mongolia. Actually, technically Mongolia and Turkey. They they evolved at the same time. This this particular <clears throat> it's essentially a large, round, semi-permanent tent structure. So it has this beautiful wooden lattice and then like a thick canvas covering and it's kind of circular with a pointed top and they're a plastic beautiful. dome at the top to yeah. look, look at the stars. Uh, and, and I would just like to interject here. I have been inside both yurts on the farm and they are stunning. They're so lovely. You too could sleep where Hannah Gellick slept. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not like, I know this is not the point, but they seriously look like the most Instagrammable, just beautiful, just relaxing, wonderful places to clear your mind and and get rest and look at stars and stuff. Well, maybe in the future, what we can do is take our earbud family and the California earbuds or local Bay Area earbuds or anybody that wants to, and we can schedule a day in the future where we all kind of go and have a sit and sit and sip or a art and fart or a <laughs> art and fart. <laughs> An art and fart all together, which would be really, really nice. Oh, of course, this will be, be in the future post-new um, pandemic life. So maybe in the summer. Maybe in the summer when the cold and flu season has really died down. Oh, we would love to have you all we'll so We'll be much. there. Yeah. Uh, I love yay. it. We'll be there too. Ooh, yes. yay. That sounds like a great plan. Thank you guys so much. I'm so proud of you guys. You know, I can't believe you're my friends. You guys are so inspiring, and I'm so pleased to know you. And anyways, this is not interesting for anybody listening. Um, (laughs) But I guess to close, I would like to ask, and hopefully this is not a downer question, but according to experts, (laughs) the atomic clock is two seconds to midnight or something like that. 
how do you stay hopeful in our in our current reality? Oh man, that's that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. To keep going, I think we just have to have hope, right? Like some days it's easy to wallow in despair, but to keep doing what we're doing, we have to believe that change is possible and that we can change it on a systemic level, working locally. We think that's the best way um, to start really hyper locally with local communities. Yeah, um, I, I think that's right on, Rachel. <laughs> I think definitely just keeping the hope alive and just, you know, keep doing what we're doing and see, see what happens. Right. It's almost like when everything around you seems too big, the best thing you can do is start small. I like oh, that. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, everybody's a wizard and badly and slowly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you guys so much for being here with us. And the, I'm just so happy right now. <laughs> you two give us hope we find you so inspiring so yeah. you're doing it too and we really appreciate you y'all are amazing and thank you so much for having you it's always so magical to talk to you both it is so great to talk to you guys and thank you to all of our earbuds who tuned in and listened to today's episode if you want to find out more about Terra Cultura that's T-E-R-R-A-C-U-L-T-U-R-A go ahead and head to their website at dot. it sounds like Terra Cultura <laughs> anyway <laughs> TerraCultura.org. If you're local, get involved or even reach out to them and see what options you might have for getting something started in your own communities today. Other than that, everybody, wash your hands. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Happy Earth Day, family. For more Hanalyze This, go ahead and head to patreon.com slash Hanalyze This, where we will be posting our bonus material. It includes... Ooh, and also secret art from Hannah Gelb's past. (gasps) I know. I just sent you an email asking for it. We will talk (laughs) to you guys soon. See you next week, everybody. But again, head to patreon.com slash Hanalyze This for goodies. Uh, Until then, bye-bye. Goodbye.